Welcome to the Soul Salons. Today I'm going to talk about a book by St. Augustine called The Confessions. You may notice that when I do bring up Christianity in the Soul Salons, I often refer to the work of major Catholic saints or devotees. I'm not setting out to ignore Protestants or other branches of Christianity, incidentally. It's just that I find myself most inspired by works from the Catholic tradition, so my selections are admittedly a bit subjective. My husband is Catholic, and I do go to church with him sometimes, but I am no expert in this faith. My purpose, as always, with this series is to explore humanity's spiritual heritage and to share inspirational passages and maybe some ideas that you can incorporate into your own life. To me, St. Augustine's Confessions is about his search for a more divinely inspired life. He follows many thorny paths first, though, and his search is definitely a journey. He conveys something of his deep love for God throughout. I was envious of that in a way. I have felt the same sentiment in very fleeting moments, perhaps, but nowhere near to the degree that St. Augustine did. But presumably, that's why he became a saint. In the beginning of the work, he says, Thou awakest us to delight in thy praise, for thou madest us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it repose in thee. I don't know about you, but I can relate to that restless heart idea. It kind of seems to be my perpetual state, so I am clearly not yet reposing in a higher power. About the first three quarters of the Confessions is an autobiography, although St. Augustine kind of has a running conversation with God along the way. Maybe this text is as well known as it is because it reads like a story, and in the end it's about his redemption. I have gone astray like a lost sheep, he says, yet upon the shoulders of my shepherd, thy builder, hope I to be brought back to thee. He asks for God's help on this path. Narrow is the mansion of my soul, he says. Enlarge thou it, that thou mayest enter in. In the first part of the text, St. Augustine recounts his many youthful misadventures and his involvement in laziness, idle sport, thievery, and sexual adventures, among other diversions. And I'll get back to that. In the latter part of the text, though, he spurns these materialistic pursuits. He becomes more reflective about the purpose of life and God's creation, and in the end, he turns to Catholicism. So that's a quick summary. I'll share more stories and quotes from the Confessions, but I'll start with who St. Augustine was. He was also called Augustine of Hippo. He was born in 354 CE, Christian era, in what is now northern Africa. As a teenager, he studied rhetoric in Carthage, which is now in Tunisia, and became a teacher in the language arts. For all intents and purposes, he lived a pretty hedonistic lifestyle until his early 30s or so. St. Augustine's mother, Monica, was a very devout Christian who was quite troubled by her son's bad behaviors as a boy and young man. He later comes to appreciate her uprightness and godliness and speaks about her with great affection. St. Augustine barely mentions his father, although identifies him as a pagan, and one has the impression that his father didn't discipline him too much. There was a story early in the work about discipline, or lack thereof, that I found really interesting. I expect a lot of Catholics know this story, but it was new to me. St. Augustine recounts how he and his friends stole the pears off of a neighbor's tree and threw them at some hogs. He talks about his shame at taking pleasure in stealing what he didn't need, doing it just to impress his friends and recognizing that even simple pears were God's creation. He says, For had I then loved the pears I stole and wished to enjoy them, 
I might have done it alone, had the bare commission of the theft sufficed to attain my pleasure, nor needed I have inflamed the itching of my desires by the excitement of accomplices. But since my pleasure was not in those pairs, it was in the offense itself which the company of fellow sinners occasioned. One may think this act isn't such a big deal, but he later recognizes that it was dishonorable. Do we really think much about honor today? I wonder. I looked it up online, and honor is defined as dignity, distinction, worthy of high respect, noble, and upright. And this is where I think religious and moral or virtues education is so critical as the foundation for a young person's life. But St. Augustine didn't take these values very seriously in his youth either, to be honest. He gets involved in what he calls unholy loves, jealousies, quarrels, the folly of stage plays, and the deceits of his legal studies. Looking back, he is not particularly proud of this time in his life. There was a passage that caught my attention along these lines. He says, O thou my exceeding mercy, my God, my refuge from those terrible destroyers, among whom I wandered with a stiff neck, withdrawing further from thee, loving mine own ways and not thine, loving a vagrant liberty. As part of his own spiritual evolution, St. Augustine turns towards philosophy and the pursuit of wisdom, but initially this pursuit was not centered in Christ, and actually he finds the Christian Bible too simplistic. For about ten years he became involved in Manichaeism, which was a fairly widespread, widespread religion at the time that centered on ideas of good and evil. He refutes many of these beliefs in the Confessions, but I won't pull you down that academic rabbit hole. As St. Augustine struggles to find truth along various paths, he makes an interesting statement about all the liberal arts books he read. He said, I had my back to the light and my face to the things enlightened. So he admits that he is seeing a reflection, but not the source of the light. I found a lot of depth in that simple observation. This is expressed another way when St. Augustine says that although he considers himself dust and ashes, Yet he still knows something of thee, which I know not of myself. And truly, now we see through a glass darkly, not face to face as yet. That phrase, which you may have heard before, through a glass darkly, comes from St. Paul in the Bible, but I love the imagery. To me, it establishes both our connection to and distance from the divine. Back to St. Augustine's story, he moves from Carthage to Rome to Milan. Among other things, he gets fed up with his corrupt students, but he also references several spiritual guides and mentors, like his mother, his friend Alypius, and Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan. The latter, he says, was a man of God who received him like a father and showed him great kindness. Thenceforth, I began to love him, says St. Augustine. At first, indeed, not as a teacher of the truth, which I utterly despaired of in the church, but as a person kind towards myself. This made me think of the differences that mentors can make in our lives. For me, it's not really about professional advice per se, but who has really believed in you and in your potential? About halfway through the Confessions, St. Augustine starts to become more open to Christianity. He approaches it and the Bible more figuratively than literally, for one thing. But he still has doubts. He offers an interesting analogy that someone who has tried a bad physician fears to trust himself with a good one. He continues, So was it with the health of my soul, which could not be healed but by believing. 
and lest it should believe falsehoods, refuse to be cured, resisting thy hands, who hast prepared the medicines of faith and hast applied them to the diseases of the whole world. St. Augustine still struggles with the nature of God, good and evil, and the station of Christ. He also struggles with the celibacy that his entry into a Catholic monastic life would entail. He says, Thus did my two wills, one new and the other old, one carnal, the other spiritual, struggle within me, and by their discord undid my soul. Despite these hurdles, he ultimately devotes his life to God. The last few books of the Confessions is more of an analysis of theological issues, and I won't go into those academic weeds, but I do want to close with some interesting concepts and quotes that I liked from the last part of the text. In talking at length about God's creation and the concept of time, for example, St. Augustine says that we strive to comprehend things eternal, whilst our hearts flutter between the motions of things past and to come and is still unstable. Who shall hold it and fix it that it be settled a while, and a while catch the glory of that ever-fixed eternity? I love the imagery of a fluttering heart that seeks to be settled. In another great image in one of the last sections, St. Augustine talks about how, in our pride, we are like birds that stretch ourselves beyond the guardian nest and fall miserably. He brings up God's mercy when he says, Have pity, O Lord God, lest they who go by the way trample on the unfledged bird and send thine angel to replace it in the nest, that it may live till it can fly. Remember that I said in the beginning of this episode that the Confessions was in part a story about redemption, so that bird image seems to fit. Eventually, St. Augustine seems to fly to new spiritual heights and understanding, but it sounds like he also fell out of the nest on many occasions first, as I suppose we all do. And that very human story alone is really interesting. The end of the work, though, sounds a hopeful tone where he says that we are the children of the light and the children of the day, not the children of the night nor of the darkness, which yet sometimes we were. 